So welcome to episode five of Conversations on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the panel today is Liz, Sabine, and Hill. So welcome, everyone. Hi. Hey. Hello. Episode five, uh, we have our first new director, which is Lawrence Wilson, and the screenplay was done by Harry Duffin. Uh, episode synopsis will be read out by Sabine. Bray still hasn't returned, and Trudy continues to be ill preventing her from feeding the newborn baby and prompting Dal to make the dangerous trek to his father's surgery at the abandoned hospital for antibiotics. Meanwhile, Amber takes charge and implements a rationing system for food and water, much to the dismay of Lex and Ryan, who bully Jack into doubling their portions. Okay, so let's kick things off with episode 5 by discussing and trying to unravel the enigma that is Bray. So in our last podcast, we did touch on um, whether we originally believed that he abandoned Trudy or not. But let's look a bit deeper into his actions. So um, with episode five, we obviously get gets revealed that we see Bray scavenging for specific baby supplies for Trudy. Um, so a couple of questions. But firstly, uh, what were your thoughts on Bray raiding the Demon Dog's big supply stores? Um, like, was it a pretty stupid move, or were you impressed by how brave he was for doing that? Um, yeah, what were your thoughts about tackling the demon dogs? I was mainly surprised that he, well, at first that he didn't get go for those supplies earlier, and then when he finally did, he brings back one friggin' pair of nappies that's gonna last like two days or so, when there's a whole box. Yeah, I thought it was pretty stupid that he would go there, like. And why do the demon dogs, like, why have they gotten the supply of nappies? Like, what? The one tribe that doesn't seem to have it would be that. They seem prepared. And they had girls. Mm, true. I mean, it seems like that they've kind of raided a supermarket or something and have stocked up all their shelves, but it is a weird thing to keep <laughs> for them. See, I always thought it looked like, like an abandoned warehouse type deal, so maybe it would. No. I thought it was just a warehouse that they happened to find, and that's what was in it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes more sense. Like, they didn't pick what would be in the warehouse. They picked it because, oh, it had stuff. Some of it's yeah. useful to them. Some of it's <laughs> not. It's like going to Walmart, you know, if you decide that's where you're going to make your base camp. There's plenty of stuff in there you'd never use and you don't need, but it's, you know, it's tons of stuff there. Mm -hmm. it, is, um, it is strange how Brayden knew have nappies though yeah i don't think he knew i think i mean you see him searching all kinds of places before he even gets to the warehouse so he he didn't know exactly where to go he was just searching you know he had you can tell he had a list of places that might bear fruit of what he was looking for like the overturned stroller in the street he was just looking anywhere and then he came upon the warehouse took his chances because it's empty See, I don't think that, I, I think, like, if the demon dogs made that warehouse their base, like, I think word would eventually get out around the kids, and that would be, like, the one place I would avoid. Like, yes, it's a warehouse, yeah, it might have good things, but that's also sneaking into the lion's lair, and that's a dumb decision. On the matter of that, why wasn't it guarded when he got in? See, that always made me wonder, if it wasn't guarded, it's quite possible maybe it wasn't one of their main hangouts. I mean, you know, as Hill just pointed out, if Bray knew that was a demon dog hangout, why would he risk going in there? And if it was a main hangout, why would they leave it completely unguarded? I mean, just watching back the episode, it, it was graffitied with demon dogs. So, I mean, yeah. they knew it was there. Yeah, kind of knew, but I don't, I don't know why it wasn't guarded. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> It's clearly a hangout, because they have couches and everything yeah. in the middle of a warehouse. So yeah. I guess they were just counting on their reputation to keep people away. But, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, there are plenty of people who would be too afraid to check it out. But, you know, Bray's like, well, it's empty. Let me see if I can duck in real quick. But, and, yeah. 
we see him in the future, he is willing to take those risks to find food. It's That's not the only time he raids the demon dogs. <laughs> so, he's not afraid to try it. Um, my only question about Bray going there, I didn't think it was stupid. I thought it was a smart risk, considering the situation. Um, if I had if I had to provide for my children, I would take those kind of risks. Um, but uh, I did. I felt like Sabine. I thought it was strange that he waited until the last minute to find any of these things. He has a gigantic bag. He's one of the few people who carries a pack. And I just thought it was strange that he didn't already have a baby bottle or baby formula or just a pack of nappies for that. And you know, who knew when the baby was going to come? The baby could have come early. You know, and I, I did think that was strange of him to wait to the last minute. I feel like in a survival situation, like, I, they probably thought they had time. And they were trying to pack things that were more useful as the time was presently in but front of them. Says when Sabine, when, sorry, when Celine asks, when's the baby due? Trudy literally says, any day now. You know what I mean? That yeah. Well, maybe now is the time to go looking for things, not weeks beforehand. Because it is still any every baby book will tell you you're preparing. Yeah, go bad. That's that's a baby <laughs> book when you have a hospital and a house and you know a thing. I don't think people who are on the street homeless with who are pregnant are necessarily thinking about months in advance. As they um, hope that they would have. Yeah, yeah. but again, I. I I'm sorry, I just, I can't, I can't get on board with his lack of planning. He knew what he was going to need, and he's been in places where he could have easily picked up small things. I'm not saying he needed to have a storage full of things for the baby. I'm just saying, again, this is someone who knew he needed scissors for the birth, never picked up any scissors. This is someone who knew he needed rubber bands and clean linens and never even picked up a towel. You know what I mean? It's just... Stupid? I, I, I can't wrap my head around that. I'm not... I, I think they thought that maybe by the time the baby was there, there would be a pl like a hospital or someone who was better equipped. Truly, may have hoped for that. I mean, she mentioned hoping to find yeah. some. Like, I mean, brains not that stupid. We we've talked a lot about like baby blankets and like Jack and his radio, and you know, um, I think Paul and his cochlear implants have. I've always thought have been like their their um what is it their link back to before with the adults i think trudy's link to wanting there to be adults was that there would be a hospital and someone to help deliver the baby well, and yeah. because of that there was never a need to get scissors or rubber bands because they thought that what would happen would that there would be somewhere where that was available yeah but i don't think anything bray does supports that you know what I mean? Like, he's aware. Trudy may have hoped, and I totally understand her hoping that. I would have hoped too. <laughs> but uh, Bray seemed to be very aware of what he was going to need and what the situation was going to call for. And he was the one living in reality while Trudy was not. And I'll just never be able to reconcile his lack of thinking there. I don't know how someone can be so smart and so dumb at the same time. Yeah, sticking with Bray, let's follow that through because I'm. Um... Does his complete lack of explanation for anything he does, does that annoy you or does it like build a part of his mystique? Do you, do you like that part of him or? It, it would drive me crazy at any age. Yeah. At any Bray age, just annoys I, me. I mean, the thing is, I love Bray as a character. I really do. I think he's great. But I know that in real life, Bray would drive me banana sandwich. You know, I'd be like, I know you're a good guy, but why can't you just talk to me? Why can't you just tell me what's going on? I don't know how Bray didn't think for a second that the minute he bailed after this baby was born that people wouldn't get the wrong idea. <laughs> it never crosses his mind. He's shocked. He's totally shocked that they thought he would leave. Like, you didn't tell anyone where you were going and you've already bailed on these people before. Oh my goodness. I know he's a good guy. He's got great intentions. But at any age, that would drive me nuts. Why do you think? Why do you think it is that he doesn't feel like he owes anyone any explanation at all? What, what do you think it is about it? Describes mm -hmm. himself in later seasons. He describes that. Well, not later seasons, but later on, he will just explain that when he was growing up, 
His brother was the baby of the family. Bray was more the loner. He was very independent. He was a lot like Chloe. They have that in common where they just kind of disappear and do their thing. And they don't explain to anybody where they've gone or what they're doing. They don't feel like they owe anybody any explanations. And I think he's just always been in the habit of doing that. And, it, you know, he's still kind of a dumb kid. So it hasn't occurred to him that, uh, yeah, people are going to get the wrong idea when you do that. And because he knows he has good intentions, he doesn't assume that others will think he has ill intent. Because he wouldn't hurt anybody. You know, that's not Bray's thing. So he's shocked that someone else would think bad of his actions and get the wrong idea from his actions. On that point, I always thought he just assumed he could get away with bloody murder because he was, <laughs> he was so yeah. used to being the popular kid. The one that all the girls fa fall for. The one that gets away with everything. That's what I've always thought. Like, he's the football player. He's the quarterback. You know, the high school girls are fawning over him left and right. And Bray can do no wrong because he's the blonde-haired poster child. You know what it, you know what it reminds me of? Um, when I was growing up, I remember my neighbor, he, was, he put his picnic table in the backyard and he chained it to this big pole. And I asked my mom, why is he chaining the picnic table to the pole? And she goes, oh, he's afraid someone will steal it. And um, I was like, well, then why don't we have a chain around our, <laughs> around our picnic table? She goes, well, it's usually people who think about doing bad things who assume bad things will happen. So my mother never put a chain on our picnic table because she would never steal someone's picnic table. <laughs> but our neighbor, who would totally steal someone's picnic table, was like, I better put a chain on my picnic table. <laughs> <laughs> So I think with Bray, he is one of those people who wouldn't naturally do things bad to people. So he doesn't think that his actions will be interpreted as bad. Where Lex, on the other hand, he knows he'd do those things. So that's what he assumes about everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does. It does. I, I still have to laugh about the first scene. Lex going on about, ah, he's going to find the Locos and bring them here. <laughs> but I mean... In the truth, the evidence of that, dude. Come on, come on. But it's something like he totally do. <laughs> yeah, but it's eventually. But he does. Ray actually does. He does. And that's that's the thing about Lex is that there are moments where he hints at things, and you go back, and it's like, oh yeah, wait, didn't you say that? But the thing is, he's always out of context. That's what makes. Oh well, yeah. Like he's kind of correct, but he's missing the context of the situation. Mm -hmm. But isn't that life? Bray totally does go to the Locos, but it's not to betray anybody. It's because his brother just happens to lead them. <laughs> 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 Talk about being half right, half wrong. So crazy. Yeah. That's life, though. We ought to try and secure that story entrance. It's the only way they can surprise us. Have you got any ideas? Remember, it's our only emergency exit, too. The best thing would be an electronic alarm system. What would we use for power? Uh, moving on from Bray a little bit, um, let's look at Jack and Dow. Um, we have a moment in this episode where we see uh, the two of them discuss security. Um, and Dow raises the issue of putting an alarm system while Jack is trying to think of how to utilize electricity. Um, do you, once again, do you think Jack is getting a bit pie in the sky, kind of trying to concentrate everything on electricity? Um, whereas Dow has been more practical, so yeah, we need to actually secure this place. Um, yeah, what were, you, what were your thoughts about the two different approaches to security from the two of them? I think that go, it goes back to the whole security blanket thing. Jack's security blanket is dependent upon electricity and that things are going to be the way they used to be. Dal's is not. He's the one who's looking at things more practical and saying, you know, we don't have electricity. We don't have ways of doing this. We need to go back to basics. Mm -hmm. I don't agree on you there. I think Jack was being the more practical one because he's looking ahead. He's trying to find a way to get things to work um, for long term. Like, no, I totally agree with you on that. He's already researching. He's looking for information on how to actually do stuff instead of just using something that will probably last a day on batteries. 
I think it's a great example of how important both of those mind frames are. Jack is thinking towards the future, but he's also ignoring right now. He's never bothered to actually secure them all because he's too busy thinking about how to make some long-lasting, sustainable plan while ignoring right now, which needs to be handled. Dal is living in the right now, but Dal's also not much of a dreamer, and he doesn't have any plans for the future. We need both of those people to get stuff done. It's so I it's the Pepper Potts Tony Stark relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna keep on drawing back to that. No, I know it's a it's a really good example. Um, yeah. No, you know, it's... Jack needs someone like Dal to remind him, like, dude, that's great, but what about today? We do need to deal with today, and Dal needs someone like Jack, who's like, dude, we need to live for more than today. You know, we need to think about the future because otherwise, what's the freaking point of any of this? Jack does make a fair point, though. When Dell brings up blocking uh, or securing the sewer entrance, Jack immediately goes to the point that it's also their only emergency exit. Yeah. Yeah. Which never really made sense to me either, because if you, like, shopping malls here and where I'm at, like, we have several entrances both lower and upper plus this you know the back entrances plus you know employee entrances and sewers and all of that jazz so like that to me like unless jack has gone through and barred some of those doors that we never see but we are assuming he does i never got like i never believed that that was the only way in and out for them yeah but on most of their ways in and out you see the grills that are all down but you can you're in the mall you probably have access to how to open those and close those as someone who's worked in malls it's not the hardest thing in life yeah but a lot of those things require electricity no they're mostly manual in case there is a power failure mm -hmm. i mean the only way that there would be an issue is if they like if the virus happened or if they had the you know, the hindsight to lock up and they locked them and took the keys. But then you could just pick it. They're not, they're not crazy locks. They're very easy. You both are right. I mean, Hill's right about the fact that in reality, there's no way that the sewer entrance would be the only emergency exit out of the small. And Sabine's right in the sense that for this reality, that is the way it's been set up. That there are no back doors and the other, other, so, I mean, you're both right. It's it's kind of a suspension of belief sort of thing. Like, okay, this is their reality. The sewer is their only emergency exit out. Even though in real life that would not be the case. <laughs> I would never go shopping that mall. <laughs> no, I totally get it. I just, for one second, like, most things are pretty believable and plausible. But that's the one thing that I'm just like, you guys are so wrong right now. Like, I want to know why everything's barred up. How did this place pa pass, you know, inspection? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but as you're saying, I mean, I think in the early days of the virus, people had hopes that they would get through this. So they would have locked some stuff. But, like, even at that with the car, like, Lex and his crew, they could have picked those locks. We've seen the kids pick locks. They can do it. You know, they're on the bottom. It's righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. Not going into how to break into malls, but... <laughs> it's also an interesting scene because, um, I mean, the whole episode is about trying to figure out who is useful to this group, what what they can bring to the group. And you have Very all these true. class of ideas, but they have not found a way to work together. So you have Jack and Dal, who are both have great ideas, but they're so irritated with each other, they can't move forward. You know, they just snap at each other and go their separate ways. You know, you have Lex, who's being completely unproductive, who will later prove that he can be a productive member of the group, but right now he isn't being one. The kids, who are just being useless, lemmings. Kids. <laughs> They're just being kids. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really, I think the whole point is to just show the tension of having to be with these people and how can you use them, how can they be useful to you, how can you work with them. You may all have great ideas, but you cannot... Get them to solidify. You're saying, yeah, everyone has his uses. And then I instantly think of Zandra in one of those first scenes of this episode. Because she goes on like, I'd better go help Amber. She's not the baby type. 
But the moment she gets handed the baby, she starts complaining about who, me, why should I do this? I think people in, I know Sabine and I, we both work in childcare. People who don't normally deal with babies. Babies are cute. You want to hold it. The second you're past a baby, you're just like, oh no, I have to take care of this thing. And oh no. Yeah, just just I mean, like the fact that she points out that she has to help Amber because Amber's not the baby type. Yeah. But because in that moment, she thinks she is the baby type because ideally everyone's the baby type until they get handed a baby. If we are moving on to that moment, I think she just said it to annoy Lex. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> He's already really annoyed and she's having fun messing with him. That's what I think. And she's like, I better go take care of that baby, that brat that you can't stand. Um, <laughs> yeah. Annoying Lex is always a good enough reason. If Trudy doesn't get those antibiotics, she'll die. We've tried. There's nowhere else. There is. Yeah, obviously, we learned this episode, obviously, Trudy's... Not, not everything's right with Trudy. Um, she's got a fever that they're trying to work out. And obviously, we learned that Dow and his parents were actually doctors. Um, what do you think about, like, his selfishness at heading out to Sector 15 on his own to search for antibiotics? And do you think it was kind of irresponsible, really, of Amber to let him go alone? Um, I also, looking back, was anyone concerned for Trudy at all? Did you think anything might actually happen to her? I was concerned for Trudy's health. Mm-hmm. On whether or not she yeah. was Because, yeah, going to a high fever, then being ice cold, not being able to feed that baby, it's obviously that something's very, very wrong. I think knowing as a kid, and this is like thinking back to when I watched it the first time, with adult eyes, I think there's there are stakes even five episodes in that are being set, and I thought that maybe someone would die. I just didn't know who. Yeah. And obviously, someone does die. And at this point, you have possibly uh, Trudy. You have possibly Dal. Um, you know, at any point in time, there could be a raid, and they could all die. But. There are definitely stakes being set that someone, the tone is someone will die in the next few episodes. We're not all getting out of this series alive. And um, it was just a waiting game of who that would be. And right now, looks like it's Trudy. I think, I think I I really like that conversation between Amber and Dal because the pacing is done so well in this episode for the rising tension and that you feel like there's a time clock, like something needs to be done, and I, you feel their frustration. They don't know how to help Trudy, um, but it's clearly very dangerous what's happening to her. She just brought life into the world, you know, and even if you don't have any medical knowledge, you know women have died bringing children into the world before, and so yeah. you have a young woman who's way too young to be giving birth, and she's sick and you don't know what to do. You don't have any medicine you can give her. And she's delirious. That's terrifying. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, a fever you can handle. But someone who's talking about death and dying. And oh my goodness. Something seriously wrong. And I, I found... You see Amber and Dal rushing around. Trying to find an answer. You see Celine doing her best to be there for Trudy. And take care of the baby. You're, you're, you're getting to know these people. And seeing who's actually trying to be productive towards this team because that's who they are at their core and when amber has to make that choice like you know dal says i there is some place we can get medicine and amber's just like dude you can't go out there it's dangerous we've already established that and she even says take lex with you she doesn't like lex but she would rather dal have someone who's bigger and stronger yeah. and could pro- possibly protect him and then Dal, of course, points out, we can't trust him either. You know what I mean? I'd ra- I'd rather take my chances on my own because for all I know, he would beat me up. And that moment, these are two friends who realize we might never see each other again. That's the responsibility we've taken on, you know? And I think it's really beautiful because Dal could have easily just said, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. quit. I'm done. Point agreed with. Yeah, no, I, I did love that whole scene. Or the whole scenes where, yeah, they were, they were searching for an answer and then, yeah, they kind of parted ways. That was, yeah, really well done. Yeah. You know, it might have been set up that Dal was dying. Like, it's very believable that something bad is going to happen. And even Bray says, the moment he hears Dal's going there, his first response is, in, is that it's in sector, sector 15. 
That's suicide. Suicide. Yeah. yeah. I love what Amber says to him. Well, where were you? She's yours. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love Amber's response. Like, where were you? <laughs> I was also in a bad spot because I'm Ray and I snuck into the demon dogs and me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Didn't get useful stuff though. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, I feel so bad for Amber in this episode. I feel so horrible for this girl because she is trying so hard to get people to work together. And she's literally putting out fires every direction she turns in. You know, the children are sick. And the daughter's like, they had the virus. (laughs) 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 Every second Amber turns around, she can't focus on one problem because there's another problem. Yeah. None of these. You just, she very few people she can depend on at this moment. She literally has nobody's. Like, yeah, nobody's very competent at this point. Like they're just kind of running around. I mean, she literally only has Dow and you know <laughs> and kind of Jack and kind of Zandra. That's it. That's all she's got. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm like, you poor little thing. I'm so sorry. And she's handling it so well. But I'm like, why don't you just go with Dal to the cabin in the woods and leave these people? <laughs> I'm so surprised. Like, I give credit to, like, if these were real people, I should say this. But, like, Dal never at one point is like, yo, Amber, we could have avoided all of this bull. Yeah, he never rubs it in her face. <laughs> you know? Because that would have been me. I would have been like, we had an out. We could leave. But no. But it says who Dal is at his core. Here's somebody yeah. who needs help. And despite the fact that he doesn't want to be here and he doesn't want anything to do with this, he's immediately, he's willing to risk himself to save this girl, whatever it takes. If Jack's going to be me, we'll just have ourselves Ava. Uh, yeah, speaking of um, the kids and food, uh, let's, let's talk about Master Thief Pool. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> <laughs> what are your about them stealing the food and just stuffing themselves. <laughs> I love him. I love that they're just, they're so, it's, they're little kids. Of yeah. course it's kids being that. kids. It's kids being kids. That's exactly what they would do. It's it is. so realistic. That's their priority. But who hasn't, though? Who hasn't gone trick-or-treating on Halloween, was told only one or two pieces of candy, and then late at night snuck out and just gorged yourself and felt like death afterwards? Yeah. I mean, Is that Jack, only me, apparently? No, like, Jack did really say the wrong thing. Like, him telling them no was just the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, now we're gonna definitely going to go and get it. It's like, yeah. And of course, all they eat are sweets. They don't like yeah. to take anything practical. Because <laughs> they're kids. I also I like know. how... Um, now, even the children can't be trusted because when Amber's like, where did you get this? I know it wasn't in the food store and how quickly Paul lies about yeah. where they found mm-hmm. it, you know? And um, I'm like, wow, even the sweet one can't Paul. be trusted. <laughs> yeah. Paul is such a mastermind. I'm so sad that like we never really got to meet Paul. Like, I would have loved to see Paul in like season three. Yeah, there's so much potential there that could have... Like, uh, see uh, together would have been golden yeah exactly like i could see them run scams together and just like you know help out my poor brother he's deaf mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh, i want that speaking of the um, the whole food store is anyone else annoyed by the fact that there's this sign for a 300 megaton nuclear device there like right next to it. I mean, if there's something my, like that there, it's like the food will be glow in the dark. Here's here's my theory behind that. Okay, we are in a shopping mall. Sometimes in shopping malls, there are weird stores that sell sell weird things. This is Jack's little like hidden area. So I think Jack found a cool sign in a shop in the mall and was like, I want that. That's neat. And brought it down to that area and posted it. There's no nuclear warheads in the mall. There never has been. There never will be. Oh, wow. That's, that's the best theory I've ever heard. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, well, no, no, that's good. <laughs> I, 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 have a, I, I have a theory. Well, I don't have a theory. I have a love for all things atomical. And so, like, I have my own fallout shelter sign. 
Like, in my room, I'm looking at it now. There is no fallout shelter anywhere in my house. But I have a sign for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I've been to a shop that was all for nuclear warfare memorabilia. And, you know, I had a field day because I could buy everything. So I believe that there was one of those. I'm in such agreement with Hill that it, I never even cared about that sign. And never once did I think, yeah. oh my gosh, what does that mean? Like, obviously, it's just a sign. It it's just a sign. It's just a sign. They got it at Spencer's. It's just a sign. Exactly. It's a sign from Spencer's. For anyone listening, do not Google it. Why a 300 megaton nuclear device would be in a mall? Because <laughs> you'll get in trouble. No, he'll don't. I hear the sirens already. They're coming. <laughs> You're being tracked. <laughs> Sabine, did you learn nothing from Jack? You can't say no to these people. <laughs> but how much do we get? You divide the volume by the amount no. of people. No, how much do we get? Well, I'm explaining. Let me explain, Brains. We, me and Ryan, get double. Double? Why? Because I say so. Matter, Ryan. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Lex. Starting now. Um, speaking of food, um, Amber's rationing system and Lex and Ryan's attempts to <laughs> get out of it as much as possible. Um, yeah, what were your thoughts about um, them kind of bullying Jack to kind of sabotage basically the whole rationing system? It made total sense. I mean, Lex is the kind of guy who would do that. He is, but I mean... <laughs> Water's like so precious. Don't have so much. Like, yeah, I, I get it, but yeah. <laughs> these, are the, these are the moments when I have difficulty with Lex because I really do like Lex a lot, and um, I find him to be a very compelling character. But I just hate when Lex is being completely unproductive for no reason. Really, just he's just showing himself at his worst, and I'm just like. This episode is very frustrating with me with Lex because he offers zero solutions to anything. All he does <laughs> is offer more problems and arguments just for the sake of it. You know, um, and I, I, I j it just drives me a little nuts. I mean, I don't care that he's bullying Jack because Jack is hoarding food too. You know what I mean? So like, whatever. But it's just very frustrating because he's so quick to call out anybody else <laughs> or even the smallest thing. But it's just like, Lex, you are no better. You are much worse. And you don't have any evidence against these other people. And it's, I don't even know why Amber would be okay with Lex go. It's like she, she sees him. <laughs> she knows what he's already like. She's already pegged him. Yeah, she's like, Dal, take Lex with you. Okay, yeah, Lex, go with Jack and check the water. Like, Amber, you're not that dumb. You already know what kind of guy he is. And it, the child in me finds it frustrating because I would have never been bullied by someone like Lex. I would have been far more like Amber. Like, oh, please. You know what I mean? And so seeing these kids so easily bullied by Lex is just like, ugh, so hard. So I, hard. I think it's like what you said earlier. Because um, Amber's putting out so many fires, she just had to put Lex somewhere. So she said, yes, yeah. no. <laughs> I think she just had to get him out and of the here's way. here's kind of my theory about it. Once again, one of those weird Hillary theories. It is kind of silly to me that all of their water, that you, water you need. So, like, all of their water is in a tank on the roof, which, once again, later on, springs a leak, and that's their, that's their life source. So, I think this was writers trying to think of a way to have the, the plot point and the drama of having the water tank spring a lake, but also have a way for them to survive and still have water stashed somewhere where it could be used, even though we've had this situation. So, like, it was convenient to have Lex steal water, but I think kind of the reasoning behind it was that so they would have that hoard to go back to in the plot of... Like, it could have been Ryan, it could have been anyone, but they needed to have someone take water from the tap and hoard it out so that when the tank leaked, they had water. I see what you're, I see what you're saying. Um, like, yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I, do, I do see what you're saying, but 
I don't know. I think I think Hill's right. It was very. Um, it was obviously they needed to set up a red herring for the water and for plot points on the road. And I honestly think it made sense. Like I said, for a big city building to have a water reservoir on hand, you know, in case the pipes burst, you know, stuff like that. You gotta work this thing. Of course. Try pregnancy. <laughs> Grow up. I can tell you about pregnancy, Amber. You don't need a laptop for that. Just a lab. You only have to say the word. And have Zandra scratched my eyes out? She fancies me, you reckon? Doesn't every girl? Oh, yeah. Let's move on to... Well, let's move back to Lex. <laughs> <laughs> Lex and his advances on Amber. Oh, this is a good subject. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, we talked about the two before, but let's talk about it in another way, because, like, he, obviously, he's made, making advances on Zandra, and he's kind of almost got her in his pocket. So, like, wh why do you think he's specifically making advances at Amber at this time? Do you think it is because um, he likes that kind of bossy personality that he can't get? Or do you think it's the fact that he knows that she likes Bray, that that's, that's really his driving point to kind of flirt with her? What do you think is, like, his reasons? I think he has multiple reasons for doing this. Yeah. I mean, it would annoy the hell out of Sandra. Mm. And, well, obviously, there's the whole Bray thing. And Lex likes being in control. He likes being the guy girls admire. And, well, Amber's the one person who doesn't seem to admire him. Yeah, I think it goes back to like his pre-tribe where it said like he was always kind of around girls all the time. Like girls always wanted to be around him, and because Amber's kind of the one person he can't get to follow him around, um, that he he's trying to, to like reel her in, and also it annoys Zandra, and and maybe if he annoys Zandra enough, she'll drop down on her hands and knees and beg for him and. It's just, it's a power move. But I love them. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. It's a pretty cliche story point. You know, you have this guy, very alpha, very aggressive, and there's the one girl who's just, he's not afraid of him, who's not interested in him, who's willing to call him out, who's not fascinated by him. He's not, he's not her Edward Cullen. She's not falling for <laughs> any of that, you know, and... And of course he's going to find that intriguing, you know? And I do think, just like Sabine said, there's multiple reasons, you know? And it is a power play, and I just, I love her reaction to it. I really <laughs> do. I, because I would have never fallen for a guy like that at her age. I, I love the fact that Amber sees right through him. I love that she's disgusted with him most of the time. And she just, she just wants to work on him, work with him on a purely platonic base. And she just seems so frustrated with the fact it's like, you could be useful, okay? <laughs> There's so much you could give. Would you just freaking get off your butt and help me and stop making things difficult for me all the time? I, I love that moment. It's so well acted. Both of them are yeah. so good in that moment. And Caleb looks like he's having the time of his life. <laughs> it's just it is this horrible, horrible person. Because he's so gross. He's so gross in that moment. <laughs> And it's I one just, of my favorite scenes. It's beautiful. The acting is on point. I <laughs> I really do love that scene. They're just and they snap back at each other. It's very fun. It's it's like a nineteen forties screwball romantic comedy. It's really great. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But I love the way it ends. I I'm very proud of Amber. I'm like that's right, girl. Do not fall for that because Lex is being a pig. You know what I mean? There's nothing oh, yeah. cool about his actions. And I love the fact that she's just like, I'm not falling for this. You know, just cut it out. It's gross. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and I love his reaction, <laughs> too. He's so insulted. His ego's on bruise. <laughs> that, yeah, I love that whole entire scene. The, the two snapping each other. So... Now just in the middle, <laughs> working on his laptop. And she's just like... <laughs> you think uh... she fancies me? Doesn't every girl? <laughs> oh, every line is beautiful. It's a great scene. Him in the shopping cart, too. <laughs> yeah, you have that final bit where Amber just pushes him over. And Colin, that Colin, are you happy with that? Yeah. <laughs> so are you, stupid, stupid cow? cow. <laughs> yes. Because like, he was you. laying it on. He was putting it, he really thought He really thought he was oh, making yeah. a headway. And she was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? I'm trying to save someone's life. 
no time for this. I also love what, this is just a continuation of that scene. Um, well, it's right before that scene when Dal's leaving and, she, and she's like, well, let me go with you. And you can hear Lex in the background. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> him laughing. Oh my goodness. That's such perfect comedic timing. That was like, so good. Yeah. Dal's like, you're going to leave the mall with him and John? I love that so this, much. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably my favorite scene. I don't know what he's laughing at, but he's... Oh, Caleb is... At his game, or whatever he was doing. <laughs> or no, they took it by that point. I don't know. He's just laughing. Pitch perfect acting there. Great timing. Just wonderful. I've been getting some things for the baby. Got some nappies. The bottle. Formula. I knew you hadn't left. Left? Well, some of the others thought you'd... Well... Run out on Trudy. I knew you hadn't. You're not like that. Cool. Um, so that leads us to our final thoughts on the episode. Um, so obviously the episode ends with Bray coming back. Um, I mean, it's pretty much only two people in the mall who kind of believed in Bray, which was obviously Zandra and Celine, and obviously the revelation that Dao's in danger. Yeah, what were your thoughts about that last part of the scene? It's, uh, it's actually kind of interesting. I like the fact that Amber expresses her frustration that, you know, Bray just left without telling anybody. He's shocked that anyone would be surprised that he wouldn't come back. Um, and, you know, he obviously expresses his remorse. He didn't realize Trudy would get sick because he didn't give her a bath. And, um, <laughs> just change birth, Bray. Change your clothes, for Pete's sake. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, so I like, I like that. And I, I like the look on his face after Amber says, where were you? She's your responsibility. Because yeah. I, I almost feel like you get it, you're getting a hint of the fact that Bray is kind of, he's tired of this. He's ready to push Trudy on to the person who should be taking care of her. And, um, it's another hint that there's way more going on between them and the baby and uh I, that look on his face I, i'm just like what is because i remember at the time i was just like what is going on with you like why because i no longer believed she was his girlfriend but i was trying to figure out why he was taking care of her when i saw that expression and i really felt like who why did you take her on because you you seem to care about her, but you keep giving me these little looks that say that this is a burden you didn't ask for and you don't want. And um, and then, of course, you have the cliffhanger of Dal skating into the fog with the look. <laughs> it's so dramatic. <laughs> it's a setup. Someone's going to die. Like I'm like, Dal, take the skates off. You can run faster. Um, <laughs> right? He's, he's a terrible rollerblader. <laughs> yeah, he really well, is. Very good. <laughs> Um, just take him off. Run, Dal. Just run. You can't corner worth a damn in those things. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think it goes by so quick. There's so many things happening and there's all this yeah. And then the episode's over and you're like, oh my gosh, it's already done? We're already finished? Like, what's going to happen? What's going on? It's a great This was a very fast-paced episode. Yeah. It was, it was really good. Like, um, it's a good one. Obviously, yeah, written by Harry Duffin. So yeah. Hey. <laughs> That's our boy. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. So that leads us to our favorite quotes of the episode. Oh, this is a good one. There's so many good quotes. Um, <laughs> where to start? Um, <laughs> this was so tough. I. Oh, I. Okay. <laughs> Lex or Zandra? Lex or Zandra? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you Lex, I go for Zandra. I'm going to go for Zandra. It has to be. I miss television. It's boring now. Boring? Which planet are you living on, Zandra? What do you mean? Well, you could call it scary, or hard, or dangerous. But boring isn't a word I'd use. Well, I miss it anyway. I used to watch all the soaps. Never missed. I could tell you everything about all the characters. Fascinating. Now they're not there anymore. I don't know what they're doing. They're not doing anything, Zandra. They weren't real. I love the delivery. I love the line. It's so, so good. I like that line. I'm going with that. That's my favorite line. <laughs> but there's so many good ones. <laughs> I, I think for me, it's another Sandra one. 
the moment. A different one? Yeah, a different one for once. Because um, when Sandra is teasing Dal about knowing all the medical stuff and he tells her that his parents were doctors, hers yeah. is, I just wish I could cut my tongue out sometimes. Did you swallow a medical book or something? My father was a doctor. So was my mom. Satisfied? I just wish I could cut my tongue out sometimes. And I think we've all clearly all felt like that at moments in our life. And she finally realizes that she probably shouldn't say everything that pops into her little head. Ryan's reaction to the baby crying. What's that? It's just the baby, Ryan. What's wrong with it? Sounds like it's being murdered. <laughs> He's never heard of yes. that before. <laughs> what is that? Sounds like it's being murdered. <laughs> Have you never heard a baby cry? It's so funny. I love that. But once again, Ryan is definitely the person who would like want to hold the baby, and then the second you give him the baby, he's just like, I didn't think you would take me seriously. Like, get it away from me. Like, <laughs> there's a line that I liked from Celine. Uh, it's it's nothing special, but I just I love the delivery, and it says so much about Celine's heart when she's um she's trying to give the baby coffee creamer with water and sugar. And Amber's yeah. just like, I don't think that's a very good idea. And she's like, well, what else are we supposed to do? She's starving. No, you hold her. I'll try and get her to drink this. What is it? It's that creamer stuff you put in coffee. Milk substitute. Can you be alright for her? Well, it's mostly water, and I added a bit of sugar. I don't think that's a very good idea, Selene. Well, what else are we going to give her? Listen to her. She's starving. It, I just... It's so beautiful, just this young woman, the, her heart and how she cares about people. And she has no reason to care about Trudy or this baby, but she's just taking it upon herself. I just love the line delivery yeah. and the way she takes Brady in her arms and how she's mm -hmm. made this her problem. And, and it's true. It's like, can you listen to a crying baby and not try to fix it, you know? And, and I, uh, I actually uh, think she didn't have sorry. the worst idea in the world. Because it's water, it's she added a bit of sugar. It's but coffee creamer. Yeah, it's better. Than yeah, nothing. but I don't. I think it's better than nothing. I agree. Um, yeah, you know, in yeah. an emergency situation, it's better to get the baby hydrated than anything else. You know, yeah. and and at least she'd be giving it a tiny bit of sugar. You know, tiniest bit of sustenance. You know, this kid is starving. Yeah. It's thirsty. It's not getting any of its nutrients from its mother anymore. Oh, and. Even though Trudy doesn't actually say anything, she just says, I can't, when uh, Celine says, uh, you know, can't you try to feed her? And, you know, Trudy's like, I can't. And then there's this look on her face. And I remember this. I, when my son was born, I planned my son down to the day of conception. I was excited to be a mother, okay? But the minute he was born, the next morning, I'm sitting in the hospital bed with this baby, this stranger... And I'm trying to eat my breakfast, and he's whinging, and so I'm giving him my finger to suck, and I'm trying to eat with one hand, and it suddenly hits me. I don't know what to do with this screaming, crying stranger who's demanding, you know, food, shelter, and a college education. And, uh, <laughs> and I see when Trudy says, I can't, and then you just see that look on her face as Brady is screaming. I'm like, oh my gosh, you poor little thing. I know. I know how this is. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. You're too young. You shouldn't be going this. <laughs> I actually went back a lot to these first episodes when my son was just born. <laughs> because so many things that you see Trudy doing. Yeah, it, it just felt so real at that moment. But my favorite line of the show, of this episode, is Amber falling for me, have you lax? You fancy a ride, babe? On the left. What's the rush? If there's no medication to save her. Take your hands off me. What if I don't? <sighs> Fallen for me, have you, Lex? You'd be so lucky. Who'd fancy you, you stuck-up cow? The delivery is beautiful. The scene is amazing. <laughs> the two of them are totally on point. They, they just nail that entire scene. And I just love the look on her face as she 
throws him over and I'm like, that's right. And Lex is under <laughs> shock. It's, it's so beautiful. smug. It's so smug. Fallen for me. Have you, Lex? <laughs> love it. Love it. Oh, uh, yeah. That's so good. <laughs> Be lucky you stuck up. Was it cow? <laughs> you stuck up cow. <laughs> Oh, that's, yeah, they're so good. I like them. <laughs> well, once again, Lex doesn't cut. Kids show. <laughs> well, I love that slang. I know this is not the topic, but I love that strange slang. I, I now use it in my life. Oh, all the time. <laughs> like, I don't call things care. I call them tins. I don't call yeah. it a flashlight. I call it a torch. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. I just picked up on it. that I can't oh, say yeah. project. I say project. I can't. It's stuck with me. It's it's with me forever now. It's changing. <laughs> oh, I uh, yeah. But but Lex actually saying that it's an expression that we actually use. Yeah, I know. About. Yeah, I know. You guys have it as an expression. We do not. As exactly. as Americans, and we don't use it. And I now it's just become a part of now, my lexicon. Yeah. yeah, I do it all the time too. I call people cows. It's gotten so bad that when I was first doing fan fiction, I would submit it to a different site and they would proofread it. And for the longest time, they didn't know if I was American or British because I was always mixing up the slang. Yeah. I would just try to be true to the show. I will always mix up all the different slang from all the different forms of English. It is is really cool when they like these kind of substitute words because, yeah, yeah, it does stay with you for a long time. Mm I cuss in Chinese. Thanks, Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> and you're yeah, it's true. I'm still stuck on Farscape, Frel. <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah. Frack. What the frack? <laughs> that leads us to our Lex's winner of the week. Do you have one hill? There must be plenty. <laughs> it is. Well, okay, so I, I said, I said when we get to my absolute favorite line. You guys will know about it. And guess what today is? Yay! <laughs> today is the day. So my, probably one of my favorite Lex lines of all time is, I can tell you all about pregnancy, Amber. You don't need a laptop for that. Just a lap. You only have to say the word. <laughs> I can tell you about pregnancy, Amber. You don't need a laptop for that. Just a lap. I think that's hilarious. I absolutely I love, love that. Line. And I like the like the little, <laughs> the little like, clap on his little lap. Clap and yeah, he's sitting in that little trolley thing, which looks to be the most uncomfortable and comfortable thing, both in the same like same realm of space. Like I just the whole thing. Caleb is having scene. too much fun and oh, yeah. he's having the time of his life. Yeah. And like he scoots it around by like riding on it's just that whole scene. The whole scene makes me happy. As an '80s kid, we used to play with shopping trolleys. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> you got one of those. Your day was booked. Yeah, I, I still have a scar from playing with a trolley, and wind up didn't realize I was hurting myself because I was having too much fun, and I was like a bloody mess. But I was like, whatever. <laughs> it was really funny, actually. So yeah, so that brings episode five to a close. Um, yeah, so much. I went really quick. Um, thanks yeah. for the panel. Um, do send in your comments and suggestions. We're available on iTunes and now Google Google Podcasts. Um, yeah, and see you in episode six. Until next time. Bye. 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 Bye.